Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Today is Tuesday, November 26th, and we are at week 14. For some of you, that means it's hate week. Uh, for me, it means it's love week, and I'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, as we head into uh, into Turkey Day, you know, we're coming to you a little bit early. Wanted to make sure you had plenty of time to listen to this preview. It's a big one. We've got Virginia Tech, Virginia, for the Coastal Division title for a chance to go play Clemson in the ACC Championship. So it's a big day, ba- Battle of the Commonwealth Cup. But first off, Tim, what's going on? You know, hanging out on a Sunday, watching some pro football, hoping my Panthers don't end up getting beat too bad by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I know at halftime was the last time I checked the score because we started recording the pod, but uh, 17-15, to 15, a really weird halftime score there uh, between the Saints and Carolina. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, watching Christian McCaffrey has been fun this year, but overall the NFL and, and particularly the Carolina Panthers have, have kind of disappointed me this year. Um just not able to win as, as many games as I had hoped. I was I was hoping there was an outside chance to take that division, but uh, you know I think all things considered, what Kyle Allen is doing is pretty remarkable. Even though his last two games were uh, pretty nondescript, but yeah, football kind of winding down here in a weird way. It feels like the season just kicked off, and we're already in hate week. Um, and, you know, luckily we'll have the NFL to tide us over, but uh, both season approaching never a bad thing. Yeah, it's not. It you know, it, it really kind of signals the holidays and you know, Tim, I'm going to break a little personal rule after this episode. We're going to go ahead and put up the Christmas tree and uh there you go. mostly it's because of logistics, you know. We're we're heading out of town this week, going down to to Tennessee to spend the Thanksgiving holiday and uh come back and we only have one weekend and we're taking a little, you know, mini family vacay. So, uh before uh, before Christmas, so want to at least have a little bit of time to stare at the tree in the house, get it up without it being too rushed. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna have the Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. I don't think that's ever happened in my time here. So well, good. Maybe that's yeah. going to set a nice precedent for you moving forward, where you're just gonna get the itch before Thanksgiving to keep throwing up your tree. And look, I respect that. Good for you. Well, you know, Thanksgiving is super late this year. It's about as late as it can be, basically. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, that kind of plays into it a little bit. I think this time last year we were we'd already had Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, you know, you know, like we were talking about here, it's you know, some people refer to this as hate week. You know, there's a lot of huge rivalries across college football. Um, you know, there's there's one that's shining super bright in the ACC this week, and it's Virginia Tech against UVA. You know, for me, it's Love Week, and uh, you know, why do I say that? Well, UVA is just another notch on the old win column for Virginia Tech, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's been 15 straight years of nothing but wins for for the Hokies, and uh, you know, I'm very confident it's going to be 16 straight, and we'll talk about that in a second, but... You know, uh, Virginia Tech is traveling to Whoville to take on UVA. Uh, Noon Eastern, if uh, you're not a Virginia Tech or a Virginia season ticket holder, I should say, uh, and you're a Virginia Tech Hokie and wants to go to this football game, you will need to be on StubHub. Otherwise, uh, the UVA Athletic Department is requiring a $100 donation to the UVA Athletic Fund. Which, if you're a uh, Hokie, there's no way in hell you will be doing that. So, um, yeah, make sure that you are uh, searching for tickets on the uh, secondary market or, you know, just some other way. Just make sure you're not actually ponying up that fee. And, uh, yeah, this game's on Black Friday. Noon Eastern, it's going to be a fun one, Tim. Um, I guess we should go ahead and get started. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, All right. Let's go ahead and get it cracking. I know I we'll find out why you say it's, you know, it's love week, but uh I already told you. What was I just that? told you. It's nothing but wins for Virginia Tech against UVA. Why oh, would I oh, hate oh, oh, oh. UVA? Yes. yes. I'm a Virginia Tech fan. It's an automatic victory. It is. Well, if it you're has a been. fan. It has, it has been. been. Um Tim, you know, what's what's something you haven't done since two thousand three? Well, I certainly haven't mourned a hokey loss to the Cavaliers, that's for sure. I haven't been to uh, high school. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, high school, 
That was 2003. That would have put me as a sophomore in high school, I believe. Okay, so I haven't been a sophomore in high school yeah. since 2003. There you go. That's a long time, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you stop and think about it, um, you know, it's uh, it's quite a record. And, you know, this rivalry, it got started back in 1895. So it's nothing new. You know, they've played every year since 1970. 101st meeting all-time coming up on Friday. Hokies lead the all-time series 58-37-5. And and obviously, like we're talking about, 15 straight wins dating back to 2004. You know, FPI, Tim, I've lost all respect or value in whatever this metric is, this football power index or whatever. It says UVA has a 67% chance to win, you know, before two weeks ago, Virginia Tech had less than a you know five percent chance to win the Coastal, and so now they're sitting here. Virginia Tech is the team that has the momentum between the two, right? And you know, I just I, I see that and I just kind of laugh. But these teams, you know, it's again, it's a rivalry. Uh, you know, statistics typically mean little. It's really about how teams come out and execute, and can they, you know, play within the. Uh, within their emotions to to win this game. So if we kind of look at a team breakdown here, <clears throat> both teams rank 10th and 11th or 10 and 11 in the ACC, but they have, they're both averaging about 381 yards per game. Okay. of total yards. Mm-hmm. UVA averaging 257 through the air, Virginia Tech 208, Virginia Tech 173 on the ground compared to UVA who is last in the ACC at 123 yards before the pit game. Virginia Tech had been lighting up the rushing game. They've gone for over 200 yards in four of their last five games before Pitt, so four of their last six now. And um, they've rushed for over 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns in their last seven games. Okay, So Hokies rushing the ball is definitely a key to this football game. They're also second in the ACC, averaging 8.6 yards per passing attempt compared to UVA at 7.1. So... You know, both of these teams, they can move the ball offensively. I think, you know, the 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 big difference between the two. Virginia Tech has so many guys that can beat you on on the offensive side of the ball for them compared to UVA who, you know, if you stop one guy, you know that that offense doesn't move. And that's that one guy is Bryce Perkins. So he's a hard guy to stop, but it's something that the defense, the Virginia Tech defense is really going to have to focus on. And both defenses coming up having had their ups and downs. One of those is trending up. That would be Virginia Tech's. UVA's defense has a lot of injuries in the back end, specifically that secondary. You know, Bryce Hall was lost for the season. They've had a number of other injuries back there. Um, You know, sacks-wise, UVA's got 37 on the year. Virginia Tech has 35. Both of these defensive lines can, uh, can definitely cause some havoc. But Virginia Tech comes into this game with back to back shutouts. This is the third time that these two teams will meet over the 15-game win streak where the Coastal Division has been on the line. And Virginia Tech has obviously won the previous two. The last time that these two teams played for the Coastal title, Virginia Tech won 38 to nothing. That was 2011. So, as we mentioned in the last episode, Virginia Tech has been in playoff mode for the entire month of November. You know, they've been able, unable to avoid a misstep in conference play. They've answered the call every single time. They derailed a top 10 offense in the country with Wake Forest coming into town. Won that game 36-17. They're coming off of back-to-back shutouts against ACC opponents for the first time in school history. First time that they've shut out back-to-back opponents since 2005. You know, Georgia Tech was a team that had a lot of momentum. You know, they shut them out. Got back on track the week after that with the win against NC State. The Yellow Jackets, that is. You know, Pitt was a team. They had won 6-7. You know, second best defense in the ACC, led the nation in sacks. They got shut out 28-0. Virginia Tech has scored 96 unanswered points dating back to the Wake Forest game. They haven't allowed a point in the last nine quarters of play. You know, this defense, this defense is great. They're playing at an elite level right now. There's no other way around it. It's not because of a circumstance in the game or not. They've done this now for three consecutive weeks. Okay. This defense is for real. They've got a defensive touchdown in three of their last four games. You know, they haven't allowed more than 301 total yards and 65 yards rushing in each of their last three games. 
that's going to be really difficult for UVA to overcome. And, you know, UVA comes in, they've won four or five. You know, Duke, Georgia Tech, Liberty, UNC were the wins. The loss was to Louisville. Perkins, you know, he's a, a dynamic playmaker, but he's a one-man band on this offense, and we've talked about that all season. You know, he comes in, he's got 2,600 yards passing on the season, 15 touchdowns, 8 picks. You know, he's com- completing around 64% of his passes. And he also is the team's leading rusher at 523 yards on the ground, 9 touchdowns. And so Wayne Tua-Lapapa, he's actually been their lead back in the offense. He's only averaging 4.1 yards per carry. He's got under 400 yards rushing on the season. Does have 11 touchdowns. He's a guy who can beat you in the short yardage situations. He's more of a goal line back. Very effective in those kind of situations. But they're going to need some other spark in the offense. And, you know, we've seen Terrell Jana kind of step up over the last three weeks as a playmaker, as somebody that Perkins relies on. He's got 26 catches for 310 and a touchdown over his last three games. But, Tim, I don't know about you. Virginia, in order to succeed on offense, they're going to have to find something else other than Bryce Perkins that works in order for them to have a shot at winning this game. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do something that they haven't done all year scheme-wise, I think, to catch the Hokies off guard in order to have any sort of consistent success. Um, You know, I I know Perkins is a one-man band. He's dynamic. He can extend plays. He's a great runner. Um, But this team, this Hokies defense in particular, has guys making plays at every level. Secondary, your linebackers, on the line it doesn't matter it seems like the defense is all rowing in the same direction um and you know it's just been one of those things where consistency has just kept building and kept building the cornerbacks have played tighter and tighter in their coverage and now Caleb Farley's at the point where he's literally draped over every wide receiver he guards um you've got Ashby kind of manning the middle of that defense and playing some of the best linebacker uh play that we've seen at the Hokies in a very very long time uh, you got guys in that defensive line popping, Belmar, Pollard, uh, just making plays upon plays. And the havoc rate that they talk about, you know, when you throw in the tackles for loss, forced fumbles, interceptions, um, you know, the Hokies continue to excel there. Uh, they're playing that vintage Bud Foster defense, making plays, scoring, doing everything they can to stop the other team. And it just so happens that Virginia... Well, they're not a bad team, certainly lack explosiveness, as you mentioned, on offense, and really everything goes through uh, Perkins. He's the lightning rod of that offense, and if you're able to stifle that, uh, you know, it's a great recipe to stopping UVA on offense. And I'm certainly, when you have the two units, you match up the UVA offense versus the Virginia Tech defense, um, I think it's pretty fair to say that Virginia Tech has a fairly uh, strong upper hand in that scenario, uh, which is why... Uh, the wild card is if UVA comes out and shows something they haven't shown all year uh, in their offense. Uh, and, you, you know, what could that be? Hard to really say, but anything that could really stretch the field and, and lead to some big plays, maybe work in some trick plays that they haven't run uh, to this point, um, or get production from somebody other than Perkins. And when you're sitting in the last game of the year, that's a really, really big ask for an offense to say, hey, okay, we've leaned on Perkins to this point. Now let's try to involve a couple other players in a big way, in a way that maybe Virginia Tech isn't expecting to catch them off guard. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to figure out something because Virginia Tech has shown over the last few weeks that, you know, they've been able to stop the best part of the other team's offense. Right. You know, we saw them slow down Wake Forest, a heavy pass attack. You know, they were unable to really move the ball through the air. You know, Georgia Tech, you know, they don't do much well on offense, but it was a complete, absolute shutdown of everything that they could do. Right. From a Pitt standpoint, you know, obviously weather played into it, but Pitt's a team that throws the ball 40 times a game. You know, Virginia Tech held them to 103 yards through the air. So Virginia Tech has been able to take away whatever you do best. And the big thing with Perkins is keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to stay in the pocket and throw the football. And I think if, you know, the team that I thought really contained him the best was Notre Dame. And, you know, he was a guy who he lit up uh, Notre Dame in the first half of that game. 
but in the second half, they really got to him. They 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 were closing in on the pocket. They were forcing him to make bad decisions, and he just had turnover after turnover after turnover, and he looked like a completely different passer. So that's what Virginia Tech's going to have to do. They're going to have to get after the quarterback. They're going to have to contain him. They can't let him beat him uh, with his legs. Let him get outside of the pocket, extend plays. That's where Bryce Perkins at his best. Okay, and I think it's unrealistic to say that Bryce Perkins isn't going to make any plays in this football game. No, you know I do expect uh, Virginia to have you know a, a few points at the end of the game. You know I I don't think we're going to see a third consecutive shutout here for Virginia Tech. I think that's a little unrealistic. Um, but at the same time, I also don't expect Bryce Perkins to light up the scoreboard like a Christmas tree. You know, he's going to be a guy who, you know, he is who the defense has to focus on. And, yeah, there are other guys in that offense that can hurt you, specifically in the receiving game. You know, you got Boy, you got Terrell Jana, you got Joe Reed. You know, those guys have, have made some plays. Boy leads the team in receiving. You know, Joe Reed's more of a, a big play threat. And Jana has been um, kind of a guy who's really stood out over the last few weeks. So, you know, it's not like uh, the secondary won't have its hands full for Virginia Tech, but it's a secondary that's coming off of, you know, phenomenal performances. Caleb Farley is probably, you know, arguably one of the best corners in the ACC, probably going to be on the first team, all ACC team. Uh, Jermaine Waller has been playing lights out. I mean, just blanketing receivers. And uh, the linebacking core, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Alan Tisdale get a lot of play. Sure. Because of how fast and dynamic of an athlete that guy is. And so, nothing against Dax, because I think Dax has been playing really well over the last few weeks. But in order to really kind of contain Perkins and keep him in the pocket, you know, I'd, uh, I'd be surprised if we don't see a healthy dose of Tisdale, especially if he doesn't start the game and we see Perkins... Um, Perkins getting out of the pocket and making some plays. So Tisdale is one of the more dynamic uh, playmakers that they have on that defense that's not playing consistently. Um, so that's something to watch there. And I think, honestly, you know, some of the keys to the game for me, you know, we've talked about it. Contain Bryce Perkins. This is That's the most important thing to do in the game no from doubt. a defensive standpoint. No doubt. You know, you cannot let a one-man band run wild, and they've proven over the last few weeks that – you know, they've been able to figure that out. So running the football, you know, UVA's given up 118 yards per game. Virginia Tech's giving up 118 yards per game. Both of these teams are very similar, but we've seen that number much higher over the last four games for Virginia. If you take away the Liberty game, you know, they gave up 227 against Louisville. They gave up 186 against North Carolina. They gave up 143 against Georgia Tech, you know, only 79 against Liberty, but Liberty's not a Russian football team. They're, they're a, you know, pass happy, throw the ball type of offense. There will be plays to be made here. I'd expect Virginia Tech to have a nice day on the ground. And again, you know, I I don't think it's going to be any one guy who stands out and, you know, has 20 carries and 185 yards. I think it's going to be a mix of receivers. It's going to be a mix of backs in there, just getting carry after carry. Uh, The jet sweep has been working. Uh, we've seen a lot of reverses over the last few weeks that the Hokies have had success with. Um, so running the football will be pivotal to Virginia Tech um, having success. And I think we might see Hinden Hooker throw the ball a little bit more than we have over the last few weeks just because that UVA secondary is is so banged up. Right. Um, and just kind of going back to Hinden Hooker, again, undefeated as a Virginia Tech starter. He's 6-0. Hasn't thrown an interception. He's taking care of the football. Fumbles have bitten this offense from time to time with uh, Hooker in there, but you know if this team protects the football, they win the turnover battle, the turnover margin battle. You know I think uh, I think they win this game, you know handily, and you know I think this game has a chance to be close. I see this game going either one or two ways, Tom. This game is close through a half of football or three quarters, and Virginia Tech pulls away in the fourth, or Virginia Tech absolutely dominates the football game. I don't really see it going any other way with the way that these two teams are playing right now. And, you know, I just think the Hokies defense is playing at such a high level. And this UVA offense is so one dimensional that it's going to really be difficult for UVA to overcome that. Um, Even though it's at home, 
even though there's a lot on the line, even though UVA, you know, they've been just itching and wanting to beat Virginia Tech for the last two years so bad. Everybody knows how bad they want to beat Virginia Tech. They're not quiet about it. I just don't think they're going to. So I don't know where you stand on it, but um, I think based off the last few weeks, you're not allowed to pick Virginia Tech to win. No, I mean, that's accurate. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I do think Virginia Tech is the better team, uh, which is odd to me that that doesn't seem to be the prevailing wisdom as right now Virginia Tech just, the line just flipped and Virginia Tech's now a one-point underdog, which is fine. I'm totally fine with Virginia Tech being the underdog. That seems to be the role that the team has embraced uh, throughout the year. Um, but like you said, I mean, there are playmakers in that Virginia Tech offense. Um, you know, you mentioned Hasis Dubois, uh, Terrell Jana. Um, they've got some really good wide receivers. There's none that I think that are going to take the top off of the defense, which has been a problem. But their real issue um, has been the, the running game and trying to find a running back that can really, really give uh, the defense a reason uh, to load the box. And they don't really have that. You know, Teams are scared of Perkins beating them with his arms uh, and with his legs. And he's done that to teams all year this year, uh, which is no different than what was going on last year. Um, when you have a guy like Bud who's been doing this for as long as he has, he has tended to have some struggles with running quarterbacks, although I'm not how, sure how much that is a Bud problem and more a uh, the running quarterback in college football is just one of the hardest things to stop, period. Um, but I, I like what you mentioned about Tisdale. I think having someone with a, a lot of lateral quickness like he does will give you an advantage because that is what Perkins does well. That's getting out to the edge, making plays, and, and, and you know if they're going to win the football game, uh, Perkins will have done a lot of, of uh, that running, um, a lot of lengthening of plays in order to give UVA that offensive output that they're going to need. Um, I'm not worried about Virginia Tech losing its focus here. Um, you know they, They've played with such confidence and, and such calm in, in recent weeks that I expect them to come out mission ready. I also expect UVA uh, to come out focused. I think uh, Broncos done a really good job with that team, having them ready to play all year. Um, and, you know, they fought through some injuries, especially recently. Uh, you know, obviously when Hall went down, it started kind of a, a snowball effect from there. Um, you know, I think that UVA offensive line is going to have its work cut out for it because the Virginia Tech defensive line continues to look almost impossible to block as of late. Um, and, you know, it's strange to consider where we are now. Go back and look at that Boston College game early in the season where it looked like our defensive line could get absolutely zero push, couldn't get off blocks. And now we're sitting here talking them about, you know, talking about them like they're the highlight of the defense. And, you know, the, what bodes well for Virginia Tech is that the defense is very, very balanced. Um, like I said, in all levels, playmakers at all levels. You've got good effort. You've got, you've got smart players at all levels. Um, and, and really having that field general in Ashby has done wonders this year, especially as we move forward. Um, but, if, yeah, you're exactly right about everything that you said about UVA. Um, and I, I think we have a pretty good blueprint and a pretty good understanding of what UVA is going to do. Um, they don't seem like an offense that tries to do anything but uh, be the Bryce Perkins show, and that's fine having your offense running through a player as good as Bryce Perkins is. Um, but I do think that defense is just, you know, the Virginia Tech defense is maybe being a little overlooked to this point because of how poorly they, they played in the beginning of the year. Um, I think we're talking about a top 25 defense right now with the way that they're playing on our side of the football. And that's going to work wonders. So when you talk about that UVA threat with Perkins, I do think that offense is going to be neutered by the Virginia Tech defense. Um, you flip to the other side of the ball, and I'm not so sure that it bodes well for UVA there either. Uh, given the, the the injuries, their defense, they do rush the passer very well out of their base 3-4 uh, defense. Um, coming off the edge has been particularly strong and leading to a fair amount of sacks for them. Um, but that secondary just has had a tough time, and who could blame them with all the injuries? Uh, if we do indeed have Trey Turner ready to go, uh, we know Hazleton will be ready to go. Um, you know, Tavion Robinson continues to look like a guy that just causes so many problems, whether that be a nicely schemed reverse, as we saw against Pitt, um, or a jet sweep. Uh, you know, the, getting the ball in his hands laterally has been huge, huge for Virginia Tech. So you should expect to see more of that. Although it'd be interesting to see what Tavion could do in a little more vertical uh, passing role as well. 
Um, you know, you hope that Hendon's able to take advantage of that depleted secondary, and I think he will. Um, but this is a team defensively uh, that Virginia Tech should be able to have success passing on. Uh, and we know that Virginia Tech, I think, at least at this point, can run on, on very good defenses. Uh, and I don't expect UVA to completely slow us down, although UVA would be a little tough to run on. Um, but I, I'm sitting here looking at this matchup, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm surprised that Virginia Tech is seen as an underdog at this very moment. Again, that line could fluctuate a lot between now and Saturday. Um, but it's strange to me, given what we've seen from Virginia Tech and, and you know, conversely, what we've seen from UVA recently, uh, to say that VT wouldn't be the favorite. To me, Virginia Tech is clearly the better team. Um, with all of that being said, I am going uh, to pick UVA in this one, uh, just so I don't jinx our boys this late in the season. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, Virginia Tech has embraced the underdog role no doubt um so i'm not so much worried about that and really at the end of the day it just doesn't matter um i think with the one point line um either way that's still signaling virginia tech is probably uh the better team if they were to play on the neutral field you know virginia tech would be a favorite so sure and i'm not saying that that has any bearing on actually mattering to me it's just surprising given the body of work to this point and where these two teams sit so yeah. the national perception, for whatever reason, of the Virginia Tech football team, uh, I, I think does not quite mirror uh, our, our, the, the fans here, which isn't surprising normally, but um, I don't think it mirrors what the fans see week in and week out because we're seeing a team that is truly unified under one banner, that, that looks confident and calm, prepared every week, and they're playing with a swagger that was not present last year or early this year. And, and, you know, where did that swagger come from? I don't know. I, whatever Justin Fuente is doing, he's pushing all the right buttons. Um, but, but that swagger is so good uh, to see back at Virginia Tech. So, um, and there's, know, there's two things that really change from early in the season to now. You sure. know, Jerry Kill came in, you know, during the week of the Duke game. So he was there for the 45-10 yeah. blowout. Yeah. Okay, the kill effect. But he has been there in the program involved. So I think I don't think you can look look past that. No. The other thing too is Hinton Hooker has been the quarterback for the most part outside of one game, the game which they lost where Quincy Patterson was the quarterback. Nothing, you know, not they didn't lose the game cuz of Quincy. No. I'm just saying since Hinton Hooker has has taken over, Virginia Tech is 6 and 1 overall. Okay, 6 and 0 with him as the starter. So those two things, I don't think they can be understated. The other thing is, you know, the offense just isn't putting the defense in bad situations. The defense in the first half of the season or the first month, you know, they were playing with a short field a lot of the time. And, you know, if you're getting the ball with, you know, you have 30 yards to defend, basically, that's tough to do. It's tough to stop offenses in right. college football these days. Right. And I don't think you can lose sight of the fact that, you know, this whole do it for Bud kind of movement. And uh, this defense is really rallied around Bud Foster. And, you know, they want to make sure that he goes out on top. They've done that the last two weeks. You sure as hell know they don't want to send him out with a loss against UVA. So that defense is going to be ready to go on Friday. Don't you bet against it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I I think it will be a good game. You know, I talked about the two outcomes. I think it'll lead more to the former where this game is close through. Uh, a half or three quarters, but I do think Virginia Tech does end up pulling away at some point um, and winning by, you know, 10 to 14 points. So I like Virginia Tech to win. Uh, You know, both teams are fairly disciplined. They're both tied for 27th in the country and fewest penalty yards per game um, at 46.27. You know, watching a few Virginia games, there are times where they can just kind of unravel. Um, you know, the Florida State game kind of sticks out, and that's a game that they ended up winning. But, um, you know, occasionally if something goes wrong, you know, you start to see this kind of uh, trickle-down effect with UVA from a uh, penalty standpoint. But overall, um, you know, it's a disciplined football team. They're not typically going to beat themselves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, but, yeah, you can uh, you can bet that I think Virginia Tech wins this one, goes to 16-0 wins a Coastal Division title, and uh, has a date with with, uh, Clemson and Charlotte on December 7th. 
Yeah, and I can't wait to hear what, you know, when all this shakes out, whatever it may be, what effect Jerry Kill had on this program and, you know, kind of what he focused in on and, and maybe what he saw some of the problems were. I don't know if we'll ever find out, but, man, that would be really, really interesting. Um, you know, I, I think you brought up a good point, a couple good points. One, Hendon Hooker, I think, you know, when you have a strong leader at quarterback who's able to have success, I think that has a calming effect on, on every aspect of the team. Um, I'm not sure that that was present uh, with Ryan Willis for whatever reason, um, and I'm not here to argue what those reasons were or weren't, but it certainly seems that Hendon has, has had a complete calming effect on this team. Uh, and two, you know, our biggest issue, as you mentioned, especially with that defense not playing as well in the beginning of the season, was that they also were put in terrible positions. I mean, we were just going three and out seemingly every possession. Uh, since we've really leaned into this run game and, and, you know, put the personnel in place needed to succeed, we've seen a team that's been able to not necessarily always go three and out when they're having to punt. Um, you add Oscar Bradburn just being a complete weapon. Um, it's really, really helped that defense because they're not in bad field positions as much. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of scenarios, you know, we're getting that team pinned down in the, you know, inside the 15, inside the 10, uh, and credit to Bradburn. He, he's one of the best punters in, in recent memory at Virginia tech. And he just continues to get better seemingly as, as the year goes on, you know, I'm with you. I could totally see that two touchdown game. Uh, happening for the Hokies. I do think they're the better team. There's always that wild card with rivalry games where you never really know how to predict them because a team could be completely out of it all year. Uh, in this case, it, let's say we're talking about NC State, and this will uh, kind of steal a little bit of my thunder later on, but with as bad as NC State has played, it would not surprise me to see them beat UNC because of the rivalry game aspect. It can make teams that are undermatched perform way over their heads uh, because that's what rivalry games do. They, they bring out the passion. They bring out the fight. And uh, I expect UVA to completely bring it to, to the Hokies in every aspect. And, you know, it's going to be a slugfest for the first half of this game, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I imagine we're going to be pretty close going into half. And, uh, you know, it, 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 Virginia Tech is going to have to match that intensity. I have no doubt that they will. Um, but given where UVA is this year, as opposed to in recent years past, as far as what they're playing for and what they hope to achieve for a program, they're going to give Virginia Tech their best shot. And we will see what that ends up looking like. But uh, yeah, give me UVA only because I don't want to jinx for that. You know, all that being said, I do think VT is the better team. Yep. So uh, again, that game is noon Eastern, ABC, Black Friday. Be ready for it. And uh, hey, if you're going to this game and you're a Virginia Tech fan, uh, be loud. And um, be loud and wear maroon. You know, don't take the bait either. There's a bunch of uh, you know Twitter handles out there that are very uh, negative. You know, talking about players getting injured and you don't want to see career-ending injuries. So. Uh, you know, just let those people talk and be morons and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens on the football field. So, uh, no, no reason to get into any, um, you know, Twitter battles unnecessarily. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the games, Tim. So obviously we just talked about the battle for the Commonwealth cup, a couple of other trophies, fun trophies that we're going to talk about here. So we've got the Palmetto trophy up for grabs and that's Clemson taking on South Carolina. Again, this game is also noon Eastern, but on Saturday, ESPN. Gamecocks are 4-7. and seven. They're a team that's lost 4 or 5 since beating Georgia, which makes a ton of sense. And uh, their only win comes against Vanderbilt. So, you know, the game, it's, it's going to get ugly in Columbia. You know, you just talked about, you know, these teams have a shot. Yeah, South Carolina's got no shot, and uh, Clemson is playing at a very high level right now. And they're not going to overlook South Carolina. They're going to uh, want to take uh, the will, absolutely all of the will that South Carolina has left in their program, and absolutely destroy it. Yep. And uh, they will. So I like Clemson big. I like them to continue hoisting up that Palmetto Trophy since 2015 and uh, walk into Charlotte with the chance of the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, and you expect that to happen. But like I said, another perfect example of games where a team uh, could potentially make it a lot closer uh, than maybe they should. And 
you know, South Carolina has some talent on that team. Obviously, they beat Georgia this year, which was a huge win for them. Other than that, they've had a pretty unremarkable season. Um, but I don't expect them to be able to keep it too terribly close with Clemson in the end. When you look at that South Carolina roster, though, and, and I know this has no bearing on the game, but you see Tavian Feaster, and, and you just have to wonder what the seasons might look like what Virginia Tech's rushing offense might look like if they had a back like Tavian Feaster uh, to complement everything else that we have going on right now. It's an exciting thought. It's a shame it never got to come to fruition. Um, But, you know, you guys uh, will be able to tune in and and catch some of that game and and wonder what could have been when we see Tavian running the ball. And I assume he'll play. He's got a little bit of a groin issue, but uh, it shouldn't hold him back too bad. But the idea of Hendon Hooker and Tavian Feaster in the same backfield – that would have been a lot of fun, Justin. Uh, Georgia at Georgia Tech, noon Eastern, ABC. The game referred to as clean, old-fashioned hate. Yes, what a great Similar game. to the previous game we just discussed, uh, where I really think Georgia Tech has no shot in this one. No. You know, they've been playing better. You know, we like Jeff Collins and everything he's building there. But, you know, Georgia, they're just at a point where they just cannot afford to look bad, you know? No. They have to win out including the SEC championship over LSU uh, for a shot at the college football playoff. And, you know, they're a team that hasn't been dominant offensively. Uh, They do, you know, barely do enough every week to win, it feels like. You know, obviously they had that horrendous loss against South Carolina. Uh, But they should be able to run the ball at will against the Yellow Jackets. And uh, I like the Bulldogs to win big. Yeah, um, you know, I expect the Bulldogs to win too. Uh, you know, and I expect Jake Fromm uh, to to do enough uh, to win. And I, I, I don't imagine that this will be even remotely stressful uh, for the Bulldogs. Georgia Tech just not in the same stratosphere talent-wise and not enough, you know, not near enough to one where I think the fact that it's a rivalry game could potentially balance it out. Uh, that being said, it is at Bobby Dodd, uh, so that'll be good for Georgia Tech to get into friendly confines, although I expect to see just as much red in those stands uh, as gold, if not more. So it'll be a fun game. I love watching rivalry games uh, just to see you know, the passion, the chippiness before the game, all those fun things. But I imagine this one will be fun to watch for maybe five minutes uh, before Georgia goes up by two touchdowns. But hey, I've been wrong plenty in the past, and I certainly would love to see Collins' team come out swinging. Uh, you know, just the ACC needs to show that they have some punch, and um, you know, this would be a nice place to, to potentially get a close game. I just don't think it's remotely possible. Louisville at Kentucky, noon Eastern SEC Network. You know, this game has a shot to be really interesting. This is for the Governor's Cup, of course, and uh, you know, Kentucky. They're six and five. Most of their wins have come against bottom feeders in the SEC or other weak out-of-conference opponents. You know, Kentucky really struggles to move the ball through the air. They're only averaging 127 yards per game. Uh, They are averaging 252 on the ground. The Louisville defense, somewhat porous, has been playing a little bit better from game to game. But, you know, I still like Louisville in this one to take care of business. You know, the Kentucky defense is pretty solid. But I just like the Louisville offense that much more. They're rolling on all cylinders right now. Mikhail Cunningham's been playing super well. 2-2 Atwell is a huge threat in the passing game. And, and Javion Hawkins is a monster on the ground. So I like Louisville to get to that eight-win mark and uh, head into bowl season, which uh, we did not expect to be saying at this point in the year. Yeah, big rivalry game. Uh, you know, a big-time battle in the Bluegrass State. Louisville looking impressive nothing would I think make Scott Satterfield happier than capping off his season with a huge rivalry win uh, against the Wildcats not necessarily the best team in the world but a a, a decent enough SEC team I guess Uh, I think they're currently fifth in the SEC East which isn't going to uh, turn any heads but you know when you when you have an in-state rivalry game like this the records really go out the window Um, you know Louisville given where we thought they'd be and where they are now uh, you know, the excitement that that offense brings with Atwell and, and Cunningham and Hawkins. Uh, you know, I think they're going to have, have their way offensively with Kentucky. And I don't know that Kentucky has enough firepower on offense of its own to keep pace. Um, you know, a decent running team. But as you mentioned, passing, they tend to struggle. Uh, you know, I think Louisville wins this one, and I think they win it by about 10 to 14 points. I think they're going to... Uh, I wouldn't consider this a comfortable game. I, I don't think they're going to walk away with it early, but I think in the end it won't be, uh, you know, it'll at least be a two-possession ball game. So I'm with you on this one. I like the, the Cardinals over the Wildcats. 
Wake Forest at Syracuse. This game regional coverage, 1230. Uh, the Orange can't make a bowl. Wake Forest is playing for bowl seeding. You know, ship has likely sailed on the Orange Bowl for them. But getting to nine wins with a shot at a 10-win season with oh, a bowl huge. victory, you know, it, it's got to give these guys something to play for. So, you know, they may also score 70 points in this one because <laughs> Syracuse defensively just cannot stop anybody. Um, I like Wake to win big. Yeah. I do too. I, I think Wake will win big. Uh, the Carrier Dome's not going to have enough of its magic to prevent that from happening. Uh, Wake's offense is just going to be too much for the Syracuse defense that continues to look terrible week in and week out. Um, you know, and, and kind of uh, for Clawson and Wake Forest, I think that tenth win uh, would really, really be a, a big deal for that program. Wake Forest, not a team that's getting ten wins a lot, uh, so getting to that milestone in a year where you know, they, they've seen some really high highs, uh, and, and recently they've been knocked off their perch a little bit. But closing out and, and finishing up with, with 10 wins in a bowl win, uh, which should be a pretty good bowl, uh, yeah, that, that's got to be something worth fighting for. So I think Clawson and the Boyles will get it done. I think it'll be by, you know, three-plus touchdowns. Uh, this one's not going to be close. Boston College at Pitt, 3.30 ACC Network. You know, BC has to win to secure a bowl. They're sitting here at 5-6. and six. Good chance this is one of Steve Adazio's final games as the Boston College head coach, if not his final. You know, also most likely the last time we're going to see A.J. Dillon uh, in a Boston College uniform. You know, the guy has nothing left to prove at the college level. You know, the workload and the beating he takes here. You know, there's really no need to come back, uh, go on to the NFL, and uh, and make your money. So, Pitt, they're coming off a demoralizing loss to Virginia Tech. You know, no Paris forward here in the first half. They are an undisciplined football team. You know, not sure how they're going to respond, but you know, I really like the defense to cause major issues for the Boston College offense in this one. I think Pitt gets back in the win column, victory number eight on the year. BC stays home for bowl season, likely searching for a new head coach. I like Pitt to, to win, but I think it's probably a close one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, too. I think it should be close, if not uh, just based off the nature of the two teams. It's getting cold. Passing in the cold weather certainly becomes more difficult as the years go on uh, or as the months go on in football season. And I'm with you. Adazio's seat is scorching white hot right now, um, if only because he continues to do the same thing year in and year out. And eventually change is just needed for a program. And Boston College certainly sees near that, you know, seems to be near that point. Uh, you know, I expect a big game from the pit wide receivers here. So as a byproduct, I think Kenny Pickett will have a pretty good game too. Shockey Jacques-Louis should do really well. Taysier Mack, we all know what he's about. And I believe French will be back. I'm not 100% sure on that, Justin. Um, but it just I, depends. I, okay. Yeah, it, we'll see. It, it, but either way, they're going to have all the weapons they need uh, to take care of the Eagles um, and as much as I would love for Pitt to lose this game based on, you know, how they handled everything with Virginia Tech uh, and, and, you know, what their coach represents, I, I just don't think Boston College is going to have enough in the tank uh, to take care of Pitt. And, and obviously we know the Pitt's defense is very strong, uh, and, and I don't think they'll have too much trouble shutting Boston College down. Miami at Duke, 3.30 Eastern, ESPN2. Uh, to be honest, I just have no idea who's going to win this game. You know, Duke can't make a bowl. Miami coming off an embarrassing loss to FIU. Um, you know, Miami should win. You know, Duke may give a, a few younger guys some looks, but I like Miami to win on the road in front of probably 15 people. So Yeah, I, mean, I do too. Uh, there's just something about Duke right now that offensively they've been super inconsistent. And I will say that Miami's defense, while it looked terrible the last time out, I do think there's talent there. I think there's ability uh, and, and, you know, Quentin Harris has shown to be a guy that has really, really had some stinkers this year when he's come up against good defenses. That 18 for 43, 165 against Pitt comes to mind. Um, but he's had similar completion percentages against good defenses this year, and, and I don't think he'll have enough uh, to go ahead and get it done. Um, you know, I, I think he'll struggle. I think Duke as a whole will struggle. I do think this will be close only because I don't think either team is very good at this point. Um, but as you said, give me Miami in front of maybe a busload of people. <laughs> uh, UNC at NC State, 7 p.m. ACC Network. Once again, just another primetime game for the Wolfpack. Absolutely brutal. They cannot get away from them. Nope. NC State has won the last three in the series, 
but you got UNC here sitting at five and six with a shot at a bowl game, which you know would be a huge step for this program. You know, unexpected coming into the season, and uh, you know I really don't think they're going to struggle against the Wolfpack Tim. And um, you know I know that's tough for you, but NC State is standing in the ring right now. We're in the final round, and they barely have their legs under them. They're just kind of wobbling, waiting for the season to end. I think North Carolina's got the knockout punch. We're going to see them go out cold. UNC, big over NC State. Yeah, maybe I'm a sucker. Uh, I don't know. I I, I tend to pick NC State uh, versus UNC because of recent results. You know, NC State's kind of owned the series of late. Dave Dorn has proven one thing, and that's that he doesn't like UNC and he loves beating them. Um, There's a lot riding on this from an in-state recruiting standpoint. Uh, if this were in Keenan, um, not a place known as a really scary place to go visit, but they would bring it, you know, when NC State comes into town. Uh, but flip side to that, it's in Carter Finley. It's under the lights. Carter Finley's got some weird magic about it. It's an in-state rivalry. Carolina and NC State is one of the hardest games to predict. Um, you know, I can look back at the Philip Rivers era and some of those at Carolina teams that were so outmatched coming in there and seeing Madison Hedge- Hedgecock seemingly rush for 250 yards uh, in one game to give UNC the win towards the end of the bunting era. And so much stuff with, with the T.A. McClendon. Was he over the plane? Was he not? Uh, loss and, and just wacky stuff. There'll be more wacky stuff. There always is. For some reason, I think the wacky is going to tend toward NC State. NC State's had terrible, terrible, terrible luck this season. They've played really bad, but they've had terrible luck. And there's one thing that would really make that offseason a lot easier to deal with, and that's beating the Tar Heels in primetime in front of your home fans. And and, and the fans are going to show up for NC State. That fan base loves beating UNC more than anything or any other school out there playing Division I football. So give me NC State in a close one, in a weird one. The magic of Carter Finley prevails, and Dave Doran uh, rides off into the night and starts looking ahead towards next year. Um, and addressing some badly needed coaching sta- coaching staff changes uh, on that Wolfpack team. Florida State at Florida, seven thirty SEC Network. You know FSU coming off a of bye week, already have that bowl secured. Florida won the, this game last year, forty one fourteen, but FSU has won five of six. That's probably a good thing because I don't see them beating Florida. You know the Gators, they're sitting here at nine and two. You know, they've got losses to Georgia and LSU. Not saying it's impossible, but this Florida defense is pretty stingy. You know, only giving up 110 on the ground, 193 through the air. Kyle Trask has been pretty solid. This is a rivalry game, so anything can happen. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Florida State, just for the hell of it. Odell Haggins <laughs> remains undefeated as the Florida State head coach. They moved to 7-5, to five and they shocked the Gators in Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, you just got to look at the groundswell for Odell, and they've played so well under him. Just just really, really together as a team. Um, and he seems to just instill pride in those Seminoles like no other coach seemingly can, at least as of late. Um, you know, I, I know that Florida is a good team. I know their defense is stingy. Um, you know, offensively, they're not the greatest team in the world. And I think Florida State has the the talent on that team to match up for them or to match up with them one for one. They're not great coach. The scheme has some issues, um, but I do think they're gonna do enough here to beat Florida. I know that's a weird pick. I don't know one hundred percent why I feel so strongly that they're going to do this, uh, especially since the game is going to be in the swamp. Um, you know, and in last year, Florida State just got absolutely trounced forty one to fourteen. So I have no no idea, no idea why I'm making this pick, but it feels right to me. And and what a cool story would it be for Odell to go on and take out the Gators and and maybe his his next to last game uh, for Florida State. Uh, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen with him if he's going to stay on the Florida State you know coaching staff. Maybe he'll be an interim coach again in two years when their next head coach inevitably blows up. But give me the Seminoles in the swamp. Over the Gators, that's probably a ridiculous pick, but I'm going with it anyway. Yeah, why not? You know, it's it's hate week. Anything can happen. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's our show. That's, that's the last regular season uh, show week that we will have for you this year. Pretty hard to believe that we are through 14 weeks now. Um, 
but yeah, the 14th week definitely has some fireworks remaining um, to be set off here. So big week for Hokie, Hokie fans, big week for uh, Who fans, and uh, you know, only one will remain. Who will it be? We'll have to wait until Black Friday. Um, luckily for us, that's probably the first game of the week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tim, that's that's all I've got unless you have anything else before we wrap up. No, I, I've got nothing, nothing to say. Uh, so we can go ahead and wrap up. However, I just want to say with hate week coming, um, you know, we need a couple mantras. So we're going to go with give them hell for Odell, go to hell Carolina and do it for Bud beat UVA. Uh, those are my rallying cries this weekend. So that's our show. You know, thanks for listening. Great way to wrap it up, Tim. You know, this is, um, this is this is what you play for coastal division titles ACC championship appearances and uh, you know we've got a fun matchup that storyline that we talked to David Teal earlier in the season about right um, yeah we've got it so we're good to go uh, thanks for listening you know we are Chowder and Grits the podcast for ACC and Hokies football you can listen to us basically anywhere you listen to podcasts you know go to Twitter go to Facebook type in Chowder and Grits you'll find us click follow click like. And uh, join the conversation. Tim, why don't you tell these fun people what they can do for us? Listen to us, as Justin mentioned. Leave us reviews, share our content, interact with us on social media platforms. We have really good time with you guys on game day. Um, and, and, you know, it's just been really, really fun getting to talk to you guys, getting to share our thoughts during the game, doing some live tweeting of Hokie events has been really, really fun. So, obviously, if you're not going to be in Scott Stadium, uh, tune in on, uh, you know, Chowder on Grits Twitter. Check us out. Um, interact with us during the game. I'm sure it will be very, very eventful on that Friday uh, as far as activity goes. Um, and yeah, just keep plugging in every week. Keep listening. Obviously, we see the numbers and we see you guys are, are showing up and in increased massives every week. So we can't thank you enough. Um, and in order to keep that going, just you know, share the word. Tell your friends about us. Uh, subscribe to them on their podcast app when they aren't looking. Whatever you have to do, uh, we really appreciate it. And so with that, obviously, since it's hate week, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, go ACC, go Hokies, and beat UVA. Also, happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels out there for anybody uh, in the car. Hopefully you listen to us on the way. See you guys later.